ESPN 690 and Action Sports Shacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! Oh, what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. Raining a little bit, but it waited until the Dream 18 golf tournament is over, and we appreciate it. Thanks to everybody uh, for being a part of the Dream 18 here today. We raise money for St. Michael's Soldiers and also North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and uh, everybody here at Southampton. We appreciate them for all they do and have done for our Dream 18 over the years. Been great friends uh, to to our event. And uh, we got it done. We got it in. And now we're talking about a Jags win. How about that? That is a lot of fun. Brent Martineau, uh, Casey Kurtz, Aaron Schachter <laughs> uh, battling, guys. They're battling through some adversity today. Mm. But uh, that's okay. We get a win, and it, it, it makes everything feel better. Uh, I said we. I hate saying we, but I meant the Doesn't city. Doesn't it feel like, like town, it, though? Doesn't that, it feel like but, the town has uh, been invested so hard and so long? <laughs> it's like we all worked yes. for it. Yeah, true. Uh, we have worked for it around here. We've got, you know, you just feel, I think that is it too, right? And, you know, in our profession, you're not supposed to have pom-poms on. But, I mean, let's be honest. We do sometimes. I need the narrative to change. Like, we want to talk about something different. And you really feel for all the people that have endured so many losses. I mean, it's enjoyable when they get the win. Thank goodness for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hear you, man. I think they, they should they, play they, them all the time. They cured all the ailments. Now, this is a guy that went nuts on the Colts one time, too. I saw Josh Scobie today, 59-yard field goal. He did, too. But uh, the person I'm talking about, along with Fred Taylor, is Maurice Jones-Drew, and he joins us on a Victory Monday here, Mojo. Uh, we can't give you the day off, man, on a, on a Victory Monday. Instead, we got to talk about a win, finally. Thanks for jumping in with us. Yeah, listen, I, I just heard a little bit of what you guys are talking about. I, I don't think it, it could have been any other team. I think the Jags would have still played really well. Um, he, he, we talked about last week how they were trending forward, and uh, now you can you can kind of see this defense tightening up and the offense being more explosive. And Brent, we were texting yesterday and, and how they were using their weapons. They utilized their weapons on both sides of the ball, which I think is what you what is the key to success and the key to winning a lot of games. Maurice, I want to jump in with something that I just said. I think is the biggest story coming out of this game in maybe the first two weeks. I think the Jags have themselves a really good football coach. I think Doug Peterson showed his offense last week and his design and things were open. And people started complaining a little bit about the run past uh, differential. But there are a lot of two-minute situations. You break down the numbers. I don't think that was as big a story. And maybe what I liked most about Doug is he was unapologetic. He was like, listen, I got this, all right? <laughs> and he was more 50-50 yesterday, but that was because they had a big lead, I think. But the design, the game plan, the execution of the game plan, and then when he got the game ball, you could tell this team liked him. I think the Jaguars have a chance when they go in on Sunday's mojo to outcoach the other team. That hasn't always been the case in recent years. Well, I think he's just very creative, and I think that's the first thing you want to be when you're an offensive coordinator, right? You see Christian Kirk in the back foot a little bit. You have two backs. I mean, they're just utilizing their personnel, and you're starting to see that with these young geniuses or these younger coaches that are out there. Um, he's putting guys in position to, to get in space, right, where there's 
not eight guys in the box or your one guy's getting double teamed. And so Trevor Lawrence is playing faster, which means that he's understanding the game plan more and he's more confident in it. And the other guys are as well. And it's always good to have James Robinson breaking off big runs like that as well. So when you start to get this thing flowing and you start to see the Jags have a ton of young pieces, a ton of really good young pieces, as you'll see them grow. But I think right now, the time is now. You know, and I'm going to say this here. The AFC South is down. Um, and I think the Jags have a great chance of going from worst to first in their division and possibly hosting a playoff game. But they have to continue to grow and keep playing better. Maurice, you talked a little bit about James you know, Robinson. It was nice to see some pop from uh, from James did Travis Etienne's play give you any concern at all? No, not at all. Again, you know, it's funny because I remember my rookie year, it took me about three to four games until I can really start getting in the groove of things. Right? Even with preseason, even in the practices, the game has to slow down a little bit for me. So I think you'll see a couple more couple more games, and then you'll start to see him burst. But for, for that right now, you have James to kind of take that slack up until he goes. I still think they're trying to be creative, getting him the ball in space as well. Um, and so you have a lot of space guys. And so it's going to take – it may take a couple more games. It may take three or four more games, five. It doesn't matter. You have guys that can take it up as long as they stay healthy, right? So imagine having Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne, Evan Ingram, all being able to be interchangeable uh, in the inside with James Robinson being able to run the ball as well with those guys on the outside. That's a tough match to deal with with anyone. And so uh, I just think as long as they continue to be creative – um, and allow ETN the time to kind of grow in the game and, and let it do organically, not rush him, right? Not try to force it to be something like, oh, you got to do this, isn't that? Just let him, let it come naturally to him. I think he'll turn around and you'll see a big burst and a big jump from here very soon. Maurice Jones-Drew with us here on Brenton Friends on ESPN 690. I want to ask you a little bit about the running game yesterday because it wasn't unbelievable, Mojo. I mean, they, they just kept using it and using it, and they would only get a yard, get stuffed, get two, get a couple of important yards, and then you've done this before. Keep giving it to me, keep giving it to me, because then that moment is coming, and you've got to stick with it. But a lot of people won't stick with it when it's not showing up, and I wondered if Doug would, but sooner or later, Mojo, they break, don't they? They, they, they always do. They always do. And, that, and I think that's one of my favorite things about Doug Peterson. Early in the process, when the Jazz were looking for coaches and his name, it came out. The one thing that if you watch the Philadelphia Eagles, they ran the football. They might have ran it out of unconventional sets, something that I'm not used to, but they ran the football. They, they found ways to run the ball, and he tried to get 30 carries or 30 runs in a game. And so, for me, that's what the Jags need. Now, it's not, what, like I said, not accustomed to me being in the eye and in the home position. Now they're more out of gun and different things. But as long as you're forcing the defense to fit the run, fit the run, fit the run, they have to respect that. It'll allow your passing game to open up, and then eventually they'll misfit it as we saw this weekend, and then you'll get a big run. And then once it breaks, then all, you know, all hell breaks loose. Now now you got guys complaining and yelling and, and all type of things. So I was really happy to see them kind of stick with the running game. Uh, I was happy to see them use some play-action pass and, and also be explosive off of that as well. It all goes hand-in-hand. Hand. I always try to, as a coach, always try to put the play-action pass with the running stats because, again, if you can't run the ball, your play-action pass doesn't work anyway. So – you trying to run the ball and continue to run the ball regardless if it's working or not, the play-action pass should open up, and those yards should go to the running game, to be honest. Yeah, and, and Maurice, I, I want to ask you this one. you got a budget of 100%. We were talking a little bit about some of the creativity that comes from Doug Peterson. Clearly, to me at least, it seemed like the wide receivers are really 
all of the passing targets were open on almost every play. It's almost like Trevor had a choice of where he was going with it. How much of that do you put on the play calling? How much of that do you put on the route running, which looked to be really superior from our wideouts? And how much of that do you put on the play of the Indianapolis Colts secondary and coverage teams? Um, well, I would say and that's kind of tough to, to put out there. I mean, obviously when you're dealing with Gus Bradley and what he wants to run, he's going to either play man-to-man, a little sprinkle in, a little cover two or cover three, right? So you can have concepts to, to get guys open. Um, so I would say for the play calling, I'd probably give it like 50%, right? Because, again, you got to put your guys in position. you got to practice. They have to understand. They have to know where, where Trevor's trying to go with the ball, where the play caller wants to go with the ball. Uh, from there, I'll go 30% with the receivers, of reading the right coverage, running the right routes, getting to where you need to be. Um, people, I don't know if a lot of our fans understand this, but the passing game, which makes it so tough to handle sometimes when you're in your place, you see these, these really good teams, the receiver and the quarterback are on the same page all the time. Right, and again, that's why I said fifty percent with the play caller. But also, the receivers have to see the, the defense the same way that Trevor sees. He, they have to see cover two the same way that he sees cover two. They have to see man to man same way that he sees man to man. And I think again, that's the thirty percent for the receivers of seeing that coverage and, and that defense that they're going against and finding ways to get open. And then the last bit, I would say, the last twenty percent is to the Colts. Right, if you're playing man to man, if you're in cover two, and you're not supposed to allow certain routes, that's on you guys. And so. I think it's more of the Jags than it is the Colts, but the Colts DBs definitely helped out uh, in this game. Maurice Jones-Drew with us here on Brighton Friends. Joins us on Mondays in the 3 o'clock hour. Maurice, what are the Colts thinking right now, man? I mean, the Jags are in their head here in Jacksonville, and now, gosh, this might be a matchup problem the way they beat them, even going up there in another month or so. We'll see. Obviously, they're not going to thump them like they did. There'll be some changes, and uh, Indy will be at home. But I just... I don't know what the Colts could be thinking. They, they tie Houston. They lose to Jacksonville in that fashion. Frank Reich lost two games at the end of last year, so he's lost four in a row in very disappointing fashion. I, they must be scratching their heads a little bit inside that building in Indiana. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, I, I picked them to be one of the, the guys that go into the playoffs and have a deep run. Yeah, you weren't alone. Um, it, it's just not working right now. I mean, right, I think what they're down both tackles – or they're down some offensive linemen, I think. Um, at the end of the day, man, they're just not playing well. They're, they're not able to run the ball the way they want to. I'll say Jonathan Taylor had one or two decent runs, not what we're used to seeing from him. So if your running game's not working, your passing game needs to go. They didn't have Pittman. So I think it'll be a little bit different. But, yeah, they're definitely here for a cause of concern. I mean, their owner's coming out talking about, you know, we got to figure it out and blah, blah, this and that. I wish he wouldn't say, you know, the Jags are the worst team in the league because obviously they beat you guys, which makes you guys the worst team in the league. But that's just me talking my talk. Um, I, I think they, they have a lot of things they have to fix, uh, but it starts with running the ball. If they can't run the football, their whole team is predicated off of John, Johnson Taylor being the guy. And if he, they, if he can't be the guy or he can't go out there and play the way he's accustomed to playing, then, then that offense stinks and then obviously puts a lot of pressure on their defense. I'm just looking at the scores from yeah, week Johnson one. Taylor, a little more on him. I was going to say, Brandon, I'm just looking at the scores from week one, looking at the scores from week two. And it's just, it's so heartening to see this Jags offense was able to really build yesterday. The biggest point differential on this young season, 2022, two weeks in, belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars in that win over the Colts. Week one, you saw the Chiefs uh, uh, win by 23 against the Cardinals. But uh, Jaguars now with that distinction two weeks into the season. It's got to make Jags fans really happy. 
You know, I, I definitely think it does. You know, it, it's funny because you have to have that instinct of putting your foot on their opponent's neck, right? And it's always tough to do that in the NFL. I call the Rams games. The Rams were up by, I want to say, 28-3 to at one point against the Falcons, and everyone was, like, nervous. And I, I remember in the broadcast saying, hey, you have to go down and score one more time, right? Just because you're up 25 doesn't mean the team can't come back. You have to find a way to finish them. Uh, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. The Rams didn't do it, and then the Falcons came roaring back. Uh, I think the one thing that our fans need to appreciate and um, everyone else should is that they didn't allow the Colts to come back, right? They didn't allow the Colts to have a touchdown drive or a scoring drive for that matter. They, they put their foot on their throat, and they kept pressing. Even in some of those offensive series where it didn't look the best, they were still attacking, and that's what you want to be, and that's, that's a sign of your head coach. That's what Doug Peterson is. He's an aggressive coach. He wants to continue to attack uh, the downs to go score points. And so I think that, that's something that we have to really hold and understand is that there's so many good teams in the National Football League. To shut out an NFL team is pretty much, especially with the rules, is pretty, almost you shouldn't do that. It just but, doesn't happen anymore. Um, it just, right, it doesn't happen. But the fact that they didn't allow them any points, right, three, lets you know that they're, they're still their mindset is we have to play all the way through four quarters and play aggressively four quarters, and that's what you're looking for. And that's what they did, and that's something you can build off of for next week. All right, speaking of next week, do they have a chance against the Chargers? And my and I say chance, of course, everybody's got a chance. It's the NFL. But Maurice Jones-Drew, I mean, this is a team that has some firepower now. A lot of people think they're a favorite. They're banged up a bit, who we don't know yet about Justin Herbert, but Herbert's really good. They've been cooking for a few years now and building towards something. I just don't know if the Jags and their development going out west as always. I, I feel like they might be a little outclassed in this game on paper. That doesn't mean they can't win, but they're going to be heavy underdogs in this one against the Chargers. Uh, can, they, can they pull the upset in a place, really, they've struggled so much over the years in California? Well, I think this is a different team. I think Doug Peterson's had success going to the West Coast with the Eagles. Um, so he has a certain way that he wants to go about it and handle things. Um, I will say this. I had the injury that uh, Justin Herbert has. It is not a comfortable injury. Now, if you're tough enough and – Right, you take modern medicine, you can play with that injury, but your body doesn't feel, you don't feel like, feel like there's a chink in the armor, if that makes sense. Um, and so as we saw, he couldn't even run uh, on one play, and then he, added, he mustered up enough energy and, I guess, pain tolerance to throw a strike down the, down the middle of the field. So if you're the Jags, you, got, you understand that. Like, listen, you got to go out there, you got to play physical, you got to be around them, you got to touch them when you get your opportunity. So you got to go sack them, you got to get pressure on them. Um, and the other part is this, the Chargers all, like, forever, and I, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but they're going to charge. They're going to do what they do, right? And so if you can put enough pressure on them, like last year, going against the Raiders, they, they didn't tie the game, right? They lost it on a field goal. For some reason, they tend to have breakdowns. Last year, they lost to the Houston Texans in Houston, right? So they have those, those lapses, and maybe this is another week that they have that lapse. But even if they don't, I think the Jaguars are talented enough to put pressure on both this team offensively and defensively uh, with their pass rush right defensively and with the way their linebackers are playing stop of the run. But then also offensively with the creativity uh, to try to get a hold, you know, make sure Khalil Mack is out of there and Joey Bosa take care of them, not only just with the tackles, but the way you form, uh, line up in your formation, the way you run the ball. And then taking advantage of some matchups. They have some guys banged up on the back end. I know J.C. Jackson played. Um, and he has a longer week, but still, he's still coming off of ankle surgery. 
and I think you could take advantage of some of these things they have out there. Asante Samuel Jr. is another good corner that they have, but again, I think if you can align Christian Kirk up on their third corner on a safety, you have a great you have a great matchup, and then Evan Ingram still a matchup problem, right? So uh, you have weapons, just like you did against the Colts. You have to utilize those weapons on all sides of the ball, and if you do that, I think you have a great opportunity to win. I think this Jags team too, Britt, this is not like the Jags team. We're like, oh, we're gonna. This is a different team. This is a different coaching staff. This is a different mindset. Um, I, I, they believe they can go in and win any game, anywhere, and, I, and I, that's a great mindset to have. Let's stop down for a second and talk uh, injury a yeah, little bit more, just because this. Justin Herbert thing could end up being a, a pretty serious deal. I don't necessarily believe in too many coincidences. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor had a similar situation happen to him in San Diego, and it was the day that Herbert hurt himself that we learned Tyrod Taylor now suing the San Diego organization, their team doctor, for the work he did for malpractice. You don't have to name names, Mojo, but have you ever been injured throughout your career and and you had to, like, consider what the team doctor was telling you. Did, 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 you, did it ever give you a pause and make you think, maybe I, I need a, a little outside help here? Well, you, you're always supposed to do that. You're always supposed to go and get a second opinion. Um, obviously, when I hurt my foot, I got a second opinion. It went the same with the team doctor. Eventually, it didn't heal the way I needed it to heal, so I had to get surgery. I wish I would have got surgery earlier than later uh, in that situation. But you always go out and get a second opinion. I mean, again, let's let's be honest. The team doctor works for the team, and what's the best for the team is to get you out there playing to as close as 100 percent as possible. So, um, again, like I said, I I played with that same injury that Justin Herbert has, right? The cartilage fracture or the tear, yeah. the torn cartilage. They called it floating ribs Ugh. back when I was playing. Just sounds it, painful. It, it just feels. It, it, it's not necessarily painful. <laughs> It's just it's it's just uncomfortable because you feel your ribs moving, right? You feel those, each one moving back and forth. And so, again, once you get past the mental block of hey, there's nothing worse can happen. Um, you know, it took me about three weeks to heal from that too, and and it was tough, like practicing with it, playing in games with it. Um, it, it was tough, but it's definitely able to, do, to to. It's easy to handle once you get mentally over it, but. Again, we saw Justin Herbert go back out there. So, uh, from the, from Justin Herbert's side, you got to be tough enough to handle it. You got to go get a second opinion. You got to make sure that you get what you need for you, right? Because this is still a business. Um, and no matter if you're the franchise quarterback, no matter if you're the 53rd guy on the roster, or the, or the 61st guy on the roster, whatever it is now, you got to make sure that you know your body is your resume and you take care of that. And so, he definitely has some things he has to deal with, but he also has to prepare to play a game. He's a starting quarterback. And so how can they get him up to speed without hurting his ribs? My body is not my resume. And, Aaron, your body <laughs> definitely is not your resume. My body is a wonderland. Uh, just to make that perfectly clear. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, it certainly is important on the football field for sure. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew with us here on Brett and Friends on ESPN 690. On a Monday, joins us each and every Monday, 3 o'clock hour, talking Jags, talk the rest of the NFL. Uh, one more thing on the Jags, and then I do want to ask you a little bit about your game and, and some of the things going on in the NFL because, holy cow, uh, I mean, Ty texted me last night. He's like, this league is insane, and it was insane the first two weeks. Uh, Maurice, what, I, I'm having a hard time just trying to figure out how to describe this, but I think there's a maturity about this team that is still young that I'm not sure I see all the time. And so it's a young football team, but they're an inexperienced football team. Yet I feel like they didn't panic last week when they lost the game. 
I feel like they took care of business. They came in from that uh, win off the field yesterday, and I was in the hallway, and they weren't like, oh, my gosh, we just won the Super Bowl. Uh, I just sense, and, and we kind of see this, guys like Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, even ETN, and Trevor, of course, these young big-time players, they've been through this before. Uh, so I don't know if I'm connected with you here, Mojo, but it, you can be mature and still inexperienced, and then young can be okay, can it? Oh, young can be very okay because you don't know that you don't know, right? And and I think the most important thing about the way this roster was kind of built and it's the way Mike Mayock tried to build the Raiders when he was the GM is you get guys from championship programs, right? Think about the guys you just named. You got the University of Utah with your middle linebacker. They win Pac-12s every year. They go to, you know, they, they played in big-time bowl games. You got your first overall pick from Georgia just won a national championship. You got Clemson guys who won national championships and went to back to back to back. That right, so you get guys that are accustomed to winning, right? And then the thing about winning is once you win, you figure out okay, this is what it takes to win, and each week it takes a little bit more. And so having Doug Peterson, who's won a Super Bowl, understands that as well. So now you have a nucleus of guys who have won championships. And your left tackle is at Bama; he's won before, right? So you continue to put that championship pedigree out there with a championship head coach. And they continue to push. They continue to push and get better. And I think that's where the young part is okay. Right? I think that's where it's okay. Now, if you have a bunch of young dudes that have never won before and, you know, you have a team and coaches excited that they won one game, like, yeah, like, yeah, we should always celebrate the wins. Don't get me wrong. But we have another game next week that we need to win as well. And so I think Doug Peterson does a great job of really allowing them to be young and have fun and being creative with them, but also – having them understand that winning is just a byproduct of what we do throughout the week, right? If we put the work in throughout the week, the wins will stack up and they'll come. And that's why you don't see a lot of guys excited and yelling and screaming. This is what they're, this is what's supposed to happen when you work a certain way. Yeah. Well said. Uh, how about the, uh, your game, man? That was crazy. You referenced it a bit earlier. Uh, you know, the Rams get a win. Are there some concerns? Uh, just, I mean, obviously the special teams may be a little fluky Did they just fall asleep, but after the opener and then, uh, this one, should there be some concerns about the Rams? And now you're looking at two Super Bowl teams, one that struggled late yesterday in the Rams but still got the win, dominated early, and then the Bengals that are 0-2 so far. Uh, what do you make of the first two weeks for the two teams that, that were in the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, first, the NFL in general is a soap opera, and they need to figure out. I don't know if it's days yeah. of our lives or whichever one it is. I mean, it's <laughs> the best soap opera there is because you really don't know what a team is until week four anyway. And I, it's that's the funny part about about the NFL. Like, the first month of the season, teams are trying to figure out their identity and who they are. Um, for the Rams, they jumped out. They were playing very well. I mean, Stafford at one point was 12 for 12. He couldn't miss. They were doing whatever they wanted. And then he took a shot down the field to Tyler Higby and threw a pick. And that kind of stirred. He started stirring things up. The defense got a turnover. They went back and they scored. Um, and then the second time he threw a pick, it was just a good play by Michael Walker from the Atlanta Falcons. And he made a great play on it put the Falcons in a short field, they go down and score, and then all of a sudden that momentum changes. And, and that's always a tough situation when that momentum changes uh, to try to fight and get it back. They couldn't get it back, got a punt blocked. And then Jalen Ramsey, you know, obviously your arch nemesis, uh, my bestie, uh, <laughs> found a way to close the game out. And I think, you know, again, your stars have to show up and make plays in those situations, and Jalen did. When it comes to the Bengals, though, I think I, the biggest thing with the Bengals, it doesn't matter who your protection is. It doesn't matter how much you pay guys. Your play calling has to help that as well. And the, and the Bengals do a lot of five- to seven-step drops. And they try to throw the ball down the field all the time. And so Joe Burrow is going to continue to get sacked. He's going to continue to get hit. They're going to continue to struggle until they change their play calling. Now, they ran the ball 
uh, a little bit, but there wasn't many play action pass off. There wasn't a lot of, you know, let the play action be your seven steps or let the play action open up some of the other the crossing routes and things like that. They were just trying to do it straight from gun. And, you know, he's, he's back there just a target. And so it's tough to do. I know they, they, that's who he is and that's what they want to be, but sometimes your play calls have to um, really protect the quarterback from himself, if that makes sense, right? I, and I always go back to when we were in Jacksonville, we went to the playoffs in 2007, Dirk Cutter, um, his play calling allowed us to be an explosive, explosive run team and an explosive pass team without David turning the ball over. Right, and then the next year we kind of went to wide open, and we want to let all this stuff go, and then we started to turn the ball over a little bit, right? And so I thought our 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 game plan in 2007, he protected us a little bit more with the way he called plays, and it worked to our advantage. It, it, we were built for that type of offense. Uh, 2008 and on, we kind of became more, we tried to be more of an explosive offense, and it just didn't work out for us. Uh, keep going around the NFL a little bit. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals with a crazy, crazy comeback. I mean, again, look at the games, Mojo. I mean, the Dolphins throw six touchdowns from Tua. They come back down 21 down, 20 to nothing. Raiders are supposed to be good. Another one of your former teams, they blow it against the Cardinals. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, two touchdown lead. You said it, the soap opera, it's insane. We might not know anybody uh, who anybody is yet. But we know the league is absolutely crazy, and and I guess it's fun to watch. <laughs> well, not only is it fun to watch, it's the best league in the world. I mean, there's fans all over Europe. As you, I know you guys are going to London as well. Like, there's no other sport like this where it's so much drama, where teams that win aren't supposed to win. Teams are, you know, it was just everything. Like, 20-point comebacks don't happen in the National Football League. Uh, what happened, scoring two touchdowns in a minute and 55 seconds doesn't happen in the National Football League. Um, scoring, what, four, two or throwing four touchdowns and coming down, back down by three to win a game. That doesn't happen in the National Football League, yet it all happened this past weekend on top of some other good games, right? The Pittsburgh-New England game, everybody thought New England was going to start 0-2. They found a way to scratch and get a victory. Um, so it, it, it's just been exciting, and no one ever thought the Bengals would be 0-2, but they're finding ways to lose right now instead of finding ways to win. So there's so many different things that you're seeing uh, happen it's just, it's like, hey, how, how and why are these things happening? And the last thing is, again, like I said, no one knows who you are until about week four, and you start to figure it out, and the best teams figure it out before week four. So we'll see who those teams are next week. didn't win this week. South Alabama almost got your UCLA Bruins. Hey, 3-0 and is 3-0. and You're not worried about all that almost stuff. It's college football. You just got to win. Yeah, South wins don't matter anymore. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, hey, that uh, Deuce Bay football games will come on, like, some, like, yardage totals or or something. I mean, you got to push something on and talk to me. Keep an eye on this guy. Regine Matheson, he also Yeah. Mojo, uh, Brent's connection is, is pretty rough. He was out hosting a golf tournament this morning. I think he's asking about Deuce's performance. Got any highlights for us? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll make sure I post some on my Insta- Instagram. But Deuce, uh, he scored four touchdowns, had two picks, a pick six. Uh, a couple tackles. It was we won forty eight to zero. That's a big. He's ready to come right home. There. I bet. And, and he's ready to come home. He wants to come home and play a team in Jacksonville. Is what he told. Me. He called Jacksonville home. <laughs> nice. So people know. We'll so people it. know he he's he's still a Jack fan. He loves it and uh, can't wait to get back out there and hear him see everybody. That's so awesome. Can't wait to have him back in town. Mojo, appreciate oh, no, you taking the time, wait. man. Thank you so much. All right.
No problem. See you later. Maurice Jones Drew, legendary Jaguar. Now doing uh, what is it? Color for the LA Rams. That TV group up there out Sounds in LA. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Brent Martineau out at the uh, Dream 18, or at least what was the Dream 18 this morning. We'll see if we can reconnect with him. In the meantime, me and the Red Menace, my name is Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz, behind the glass on the ones and twos for Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to a Victory Monday here on Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. Brent Morneau out here at the golf club at Southampton where we had our Dream 18. Back in the studio pushing the buttons and trying to clean up my mess out here with the signal. Uh, Casey Kurtz and Aaron Schachter, so appreciate the patience on that. And we usually have a heck, I always say this, we have uh, a lot of good luck. Uh, but sometimes uh, that, that signal is um, not working the, the way I want it run to out, here. Brent. Uh, hey, we got to win, right? I mean, yes. got, got all, all that luck that Look, way. Man. Got the tournament in before the rain came. Like, that's luck. Yeah. So, uh, I got a little delay on the a little robotic Brent sometimes on the radio. I can deal with it. It actually, on cue, <laughs> goes to robot. But you're right. If you got to divert some of the luck for a good tourney and a good, uh, a good game from the Jags, then, then it's worth it. I'm sure everyone would agree. Uh, so uh, you guys could... We're going to still try to keep fixing this, but um, we did have a heck of a day out here. Let me take a couple minutes before we get Rasheen Mathis on uh, coming up at the uh, uh, 4 o'clock hour. He's going to join us, and we talk about the Jags defense, right? Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to talk about that with Rasheen Mathis. Uh, but we uh, want to thank everybody uh, for coming out to the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18. Uh, we did it once again at Southampton. They've been so good to us, and Cadillac, our title sponsor, and uh, Best Bet, and Lofts is Ron Scholes, and Jacksonville Giants. We had all the sports teams out here, guys, as well. The Shrimp and the Jags coming off the win, so that was nice. Scoby and Podlish, former Jaguars players. Mike Malarkey, former head coach, was out here uh, playing in the uh, Dream 18 as well with, a, with another group, so it was good to see him and uh, all the folks. Uh, one of the great things that we got out here today uh, from... Uh, I guess I, I, I took it as a compliment, is that uh, when I went around to all the vendors, we had so many food places out on the course, they said, man, I keep seeing the same faces from last year or the year before, and they're getting to know them. And, and so uh, we appreciate the loyalty of uh, a lot of folks that helped the Dream 18 work and uh, come out here in September. Uh, and the rain actually did come like at 3 o'clock when the show started instead of earlier today when we were playing some golf. So North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and St. Michael Soldiers, we'll, we'll write them a check for uh, somewhere over $25,000, and it will help uh, the cause and what they're working for, too. Uh, but can't do it without everybody's help. And, of course, the help of everybody back there, Casey Kurtz and Brian Middleton did the show this morning, and our Action Sports Shacks team uh, and ESPN 690 and Cox Media Group and the TV side. Uh, have done a great job supporting it uh, over the years, too. So uh, just a lot of fun. It's a fun day. That's what we try to make it, a fun day. And at the end of the day, give a little back uh, uh, by way of charity so, and some dollars. So, Casey, did you not go out there this morning? No, I was here. Oh, so then I Brent, saw you this morning. Yeah, I thought maybe you went out after that. So I guess that means, Brent, that the uh, the kettle corn guy didn't need to file an order of protection or anything like that? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I, I did do my job and got a box of kettle corn for you guys. <laughs> So he really is I, one of the more I, giving people we know, Casey. I, I at least will pick you up a little bit since you're battling with all my technical issues here out here for the first hour and tell you at least I got you the kettle corn. Victory Monday. Everything's looking up. <laughs> everything's looking great. Kettle corn. Go, let's Casey. go. 
Casey, one problem with that, I'm not bringing it back today. So, um, well, great. You're not you here can... tomorrow either. So, uh... <laughs> well, are you coming? Down? Maybe you can come down to Davoli's House of Cards and get it. Oh, a little plug ski. There we go. Yeah, three o'clock to six o'clock tomorrow. We'll be back and, down here. And now the folks in our chat want kettle corn as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, front porch kettle corn is the place to get it. So, uh, we absolutely love it and we appreciate. It. By the way, uh, he comes over from Hilliard. Wow. And and comes to the tournament. Where so, does he I connect mean, I... in Atlanta? <laughs> How long is his layover? See, you're talking about support, right? I mean, that's yeah. what I mean, man. That's really cool. It, it, it's uh, it's always hard to put into words when we kind of help put this event on and and the gratitude. All the like, I think about it over the weekend. Like, man, all the people. I'm, I'm even surprised sometimes. I'm like, hey, uh, Mambos and and Donatos and Hurricanes and Fogo de Chao and Willie Jules and uh, Metro Diner and Smoothie King and. I mean, you guys coming out to the tournament? Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. I'm like, are you sure? Like, why? Like, why are you coming? <laughs> and, they, and, and, but, uh, and then I think about it. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool that they come out here each and every year. And I think they do have a good time. We had Vita DeLuise out here. We had Cryo out here. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, Jumping Jack's House of Food out here. Uh, so we had everything. And uh, it, it was a heck of a day. So uh, we'll have some pictures up. Uh, thanks for um, hanging with us on uh, a couple of the technical issues as it's raining here now at Southampton. But we got Rasheen Mathis coming up next, Maurice Jones-Drew, and uh, Rasheen Mathis on Mondays here on Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. So let's go have a big time in the 4 o'clock hour here on a Monday. Jags win 24 to nothing. And don't forget tonight, Jags report live at Sneakers in Jack's Beach. Andre Sisco came up with a pick. He'll join us there live at 7 o'clock. You can watch it on Fox 30 as well. We'll be right back on ESPN 690.